All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this episode, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells, along with a special guest host, Kenny Cashman, who joins us for the first part of our four-part NFL 2021 season preview series, where we'll be talking about the AFC East and the NFC East. We'll talk about the Buffalo Bills as they look to make it even further than the AFC Championship game as they came up just short of a Super Bowl appearance in 2020. We'll talk about some of the young quarterbacks, Tua Tagovailoa with the Dolphins, Daniel Jones with the Giants, even Mac Jones with the Patriots, who will be competing with Cam Newton for the starting job in New England after their busy offseason as they look to get back to the playoffs for the first time since Tom Brady left. We'll also talk about the Washington football team, Ryan Fitzpatrick now at the helm there. He'll look to guide them back to the playoffs after winning the NFC East with a sub-500 record last year. And of course, we'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys, who are hoping that the return of Dak Prescott and several moves in the offseason to try to improve their defense will get them back into the postseason. Finally, we'll conclude this episode by counting down Kenny's top five choice, our favorite summer songs. So with that, let's get started. listening to part one of our four-part NFL divisional season preview series. We'll be starting with the AFC East and the NFC East, and Brian and I have a special guest host to help us out with that one, like we will all of these, and that is Kenny Cashman. Kenny, welcome back on He's Done It. Thank you. It's great to be back. So if you're a veteran listener of the podcast, you're probably very familiar with Kenny at this point, has been on a few times already this year, and he has his own podcast, so I guess we can get the plugs in right away, C-Team show available pretty much anywhere you can find, he's done it, and uh, is your is your Twitch uh, stream worth mentioning these days? Um, I mean, maybe not currently, I've, I've been taking quite a break uh, getting back into the real world with the an actual job and whatnot, but I do plan to return to it. I just don't know exactly when. I'm hoping soon, but we'll see. And that's Grobo Streams. Yeah. If you want to go ahead and uh, you know give it a follow, subscribe, and you'll get uh, the notifications whenever he is back. But for now, let's focus on football. And we have Kenny on because he is a fan of the New England Patriots, just like you, Brian. So we'll we'll be talking about your team. But before we do that. We're going to start with the reigning champion of the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills. And last season, the Bills went 13-3, and finished in second in the regular season in the American Football Conference. They wound up advancing all the way to the conference championship game where they fell short to the Kansas City Chiefs. 
So entering the 2021 season, expectations are sky high for a franchise that was miserable for a very long time. So the biggest storyline heading into the 2021 season after falling just short of a championship last season, can the Bills take the next step and reach the Super Bowl? I think it's possible. They were the second best team in the AFC last year behind, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think for them to actually reach that next step of making it to the Super Bowl, they, they of course, need Josh Allen to continue his pace from last year where he was a near MVP. And, I mean, he made monumental laps or leaps in accuracy and poise and decision-making last year in the pocket. And that has to continue to happen uh, for the Bills to get past the Chiefs and as well as improving on defense. I mean, last year's game, AFC Championship game against the Chiefs wasn't even a contest. And a lot of that was because of their vulnerable secondary. Yeah, I personally, I expect pretty much uh, kind of a repeat of the last se- of last season for the Bills, where I think I think they'll win the division. Um, I think they'll probably get a bye week, whether it's their, whether they're in first or second. Uh, although well, there's no it, more, it's just bye week. It's just first. Yeah, it's again, just the one seed. Yeah, so right. They have to be so, the number one seed. I don't. Th- so then I think that they'll finish in in second in the AFC. Um, because I think the Chiefs will take first again, but I could see the the Bills taking first place. Um, but I don't I don't know. I think that they're going to go out in the AFC Championship game again. I think it's pretty much going to be a repeat. I like I agree, Brian. I think they could beat the Chiefs, but I don't think they will. You know, I, I don't think that they've made enough enough improvement from last season um, to really make any big changes this this year. Um, so I think that unfortunately, I think that they're maybe not quite a shoe in for the division, but I expect they'll win it pretty easily. Um, but I don't think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I actually wouldn't be surprised if we see some regression from the bills this season. I think that a lot of people are really high on them based on their performance last year. And I won't rule out Josh Allen putting up similar numbers, but he really took a huge leap and his, his, completion percentage went from below 60% to almost 70%. His passing yards, he went from barely 3,000 to throwing 4,500 yards. His touchdowns went way up, 37 last year. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Bills take a little bit of a step backward instead of a step forward. And while I think ultimately they deserve to be the favorites to win the division, I wouldn't be surprised if they struggle because I think that the AFC East as a whole is going to be a lot better this season. So my expectations for the Bills are that even with an extra game, they might not even get to 13 wins this year. I don't think that they're that much closer to Kansas City. And I I agree with you, Brian, that their defense is still a question mark. I don't know that they did a whole lot to upgrade their defense this offseason. I mean, it's it's good for the Bills that they have pretty much all their receivers from last year coming back with with Diggs, Beasley, and Gabriel Davis, Davis and they also added Manuel Sanders, and they still have Brian Dayball as their offensive coordinator, who I think has certainly made an impact on Josh Allen's career, especially last season. And I mean, yeah, so offensively, they should be great, but at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me to see some negative regression as well. And so, and yeah, and then when you factor in the fact that the rest of the division has made slight improvements or big improvements, arguably, uh, that doesn't help for the Bills either. So, I mean, 
I think they'll they'll still be at the top of the division and make the playoffs and everything. But yeah, in terms of actually passing Kansas City or other improving teams, I'm I'm a little skeptical about that. Uh, one thing I'm I'm I I didn't understand Patriots fans last season who were rooting for the Bills to go all the way. I could never. Um, I don't really want to see them in the Super Bowl, but the, I, I'm I'm happy that there's still hope this year for for Brady to beat the Bills in the Super Bowl. I just think that'd be so funny. Uh, I don't know if I really want to see them in it at all, but I would I would take it. I would take it to watch that. It'd be kind of sad the amount of times that the Bills that's why it would be lost. funny though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I get it. You're right. Yeah, and I, I think in terms of their defense, I, I'm looking at their roster right now just to make sure I wasn't missing anyone. I know bringing back Matt Milano was big for them, but they didn't do anything to upgrade their cornerback position after Tredavious White. They drafted Greg Russo in the first round, who should help with their pass rush, but he, I don't know how much we can really expect from him as a rookie. So, yeah, I, I you know, I personally don't love the idea of the Bills losing to the Bucks in the Super Bowl, but I really don't think that that will happen because I don't anticipate the Bills to be in the Super Bowl. And honestly, right. I'm not sure if I think they'll make it to the AFC Championship game again. Yeah, I mean, I could totally see them not making it as far as they did even. That's a good point about the the division improving is like at least six games for them that will be tougher than last season, most likely. Um so I could see them going up before then, but I don't. I really don't see them in the Super Bowl. I, I think we're all on the same page. Where yeah, would it surprise us if they make the AFC Championship game again? No, of course not. But if it's between them not making it to the AFC Championship game or making it and getting to the Super Bowl, which one's more likely? I would say it's more likely that they don't even make it yeah. as far as they did last year. Yeah, that's definitely my mindset. And we did talk about the division improving, so let's let's continue to go down and let's talk about the Miami Dolphins, who last season put together a surprise 10-6 and six season that in some regards felt great given that they were 5-11 and 11 the year before and it looked like they were far away in their rebuild. But at the same time, it was frustrating for them to fall just short of the playoffs after having some early success. And part of the reason why there was optimism but ultimately fell short was that their quarterback play was very inconsistent and a lot of that was on Tua Tagovailoa their rookie supposed sensation really did not look the part of a future franchise uh, quarterback someone who's going to light up the field like a lot of people were expecting during his college days so the big storyline for the Dolphins heading into the season is can Tua Tagovailoa shake off a mediocre rookie season and lead the Dolphins to the playoffs? I'm actually really high on the Miami Dolphins offense and particularly Tua Tagovailoa this year. And it's not necessarily all because of that, but it's also because I think a lot of people are too much sour on Tua and the Dolphins offense right now. I mean, but I mean before Tua was drafted, you know, his last year, his last year at Alabama, everyone was saying, oh, let's tank for Tua and get the number one pick. And then, I mean, Tua, he still went really high, but he wasn't the number one overall pick. And, not going fifth overall. Yeah. And last year, yeah, he was the third guy of those, of the three top quarterbacks in terms of production. I mean, Herbert was awesome. He deserved to be offensive rookie of the year. And then Burrow, before he got injured, he played 
played really well. But Tua, yeah, he was kind of the forgotten guy of those three. He, I mean, he really didn't put up the numbers that uh, other people might have expected. But I think this year could be a lot different because, I mean, I mean, th- coming into this year, he's going to be fully healthy. Because remember, last year it was all about, all right, well, how, how's his hip? I mean, is it fully healthy? Is it not? And I think there were a lot of questions about that. And last year, their offensive coordinator was Chan Gailey, and his their 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 basically their playbook was designed for Ryan Fitzpatrick and and for his type of offense, and not Tua Tagovailoa's really. And so they weren't really committed to Tua last year. But this year, it's it's, it's going to be a different story where it's all about Tua and see if he can prove that he's the he's the real deal or not. And then, so not only do you not have to worry about uh, committing to him, and not only is he now fully healthy, but now you add more weapons around him with Will Fuller in free agency as well as Jalen Waddell in the draft to an offense that already has Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki, as well as Miles Gaskin at running back. Now, Miles Gaskin missed some time last year, which is unfortunate, but I think a full season with him in the backfield is going to be huge for him, for the Dolphins, especially if he's not on Kenny's roster since Kenny lost basically every running back on his fantasy team last year. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I think that it's going to make a big difference for Tua to be, you know, to be their quarterback for the whole season, to be, to be the guy. Um, and if they, if they are committed to him, because I've, I've already heard people saying like, oh, they would consider trading him if, if he doesn't like step it up. And if they, if they're going into it with that mindset, I, I think that he could still be good, maybe not for them. Um, but if they're, but if, if the team is going to be committed to him and if he's going to be committed to the team, I think that he, I think that we could see him do really well this season. Um, and I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to like speculate too much ahead of the game and be like, Oh, if he doesn't do well, it's because the team wasn't committed and maybe he'll do well elsewhere. But I, I think that we could see him do well this season. And if we don't, it could be the result of, you know, them saying ahead of time that they might want to trade him. And, and because that's not, that's, that's not what you want to hear going into your first full season with the team. You know, that's not, that's not a, a confidence booster. Um, so I don't know if that doesn't get to him. And if that doesn't put a wrench in the gears, I, I think it, like Brian's saying, especially with they've, they've added some pieces to the offense. It won't be, you know, trying to, have a playbook that's around Fitzpatrick that they're then molding to Tua or trying to have it be for both of them or anything. Like if it's his playbook, it's, you know, it's his team. I think that there's a decent shot that we see, see a much better, a much better season from him this year than last year. I mean, I mean there were moments last year where Tua would, would just get straight up benched yeah. for, for Fitzpatrick because he didn't understand the playbook as well as Fitzpatrick. And I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot, going well for for Tua this year to see to see a good year from him this year. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up actually not being great and he's he's not what people thought he'd be and he's not an NFL quarterback, but I'm just saying that I think there's a lot going for him in terms of committing to him and a lot of uh weapons as well that he's surrounded by. Yeah, I think maybe the most concise uh, version of my thoughts is if he doesn't do well this year, it might not be the end. Like he might still have a chance, um, but I think that there's a good likelihood that he'll do better this season as well. My one concern for for the Dolphins' offense and Tua is that 
their offensive line still really stinks. I think it's one of the worst in the league, if not the worst in the league. They did draft Austin Jackson in the first round last year, who's their left tackle, and they traded up in the second round to get Liam Eichenberg, who's their left guard, but that's the left side, and two is a lefty, so the right side, which is his blind side, is what concerns me because right. after those two guys, it's a little concerning, And but at least pretty much uh, all their starters have returned from last year, so I guess that's good because they get more reps and improving their play, so we'll see. I really want Tua to be successful. I enjoyed watching him play at Alabama, and I'm cautiously optimistic that he can be. You guys really address the whole support system, all the additions, bringing in Will Fuller, Jalen Waddell, even Liam Eikenberg, like you mentioned. They also signed Malcolm Brown to help with their running back room in addition to Miles Gaskin. And the offensive line, yeah, it's not the greatest on paper, but I think that uh, like you said, they're bringing back guys. They made the investments in Austin Jackson last year, Liam Eikenberg this year. The Dolphins are building a support system, and there's no reason that if Tua is a great quarterback, the kind of guy that he was hyped up to be, that he can't succeed this year. So if he does struggle, um, Aaron Rodgers is someone who has been connected to the Dolphins a lot. I would certainly expect them to be in the market for a guy like him or Deshaun Watson. Another guy has been tied to him. There have been plenty of quarterbacks uh, throughout the offseason. Things didn't come together like many expected, and two is still the guy. So I'm I'm certainly rooting for him. But at the same time, the Dolphins signed Jacoby Brissett this year, and we know Brissett's going to get plenty of opportunities on fourth and short goal line conversion opportunities. I really wouldn't be surprised if Brissett gets some opportunities if Tua does struggle. I don't think that Jacoby Brissett is the kind of player like Ryan Fitzpatrick who's going to come in and just make magical plays out of nowhere, but he's someone who I think he's going to do a good job protecting the ball. He can manage the game in a way similar to what Tua was doing last year. Is he a significant upgrade? Probably not. Is he a downgrade? I don't know. It depends on how great Tua plays this year. And the Dolphins are set up to be a great team. Their defense is awesome, especially now that they were able to rework Xavier uh, and Howard to deal to keep him in the fold. Their defense last season, they led the league in takeaways. So there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the Dolphins this season. I think that they could be a huge threat to the Bills, but really comes down to how well Tua can play. And Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't there to bail them out anymore. So if he struggles, then we'll see uh, what that means for Miami's playoff hopes. All right, let's uh, talk about the next team, and that is the team that you guys are both huge fans of, the New England Patriots. So 2020, first season without Tom Brady. Things didn't go great. Not totally unexpected. Cam Newton was not the solution most of the time at quarterback with all the COVID opt-outs, different injury concerns, things were not great in Foxborough, but the team did still go seven and nine, which some view as a pretty big accomplishment. And they entered this off season with a ton of cap space and Bill Belichick put it to use. He handed out more money than anyone else this off season in terms of free agent guarantees. And the Patriots roster looks very different this season than it did last year. So the big storyline for the Patriots heading into 2021, after an uncharacteristically busy offseason, can the Patriots get back to the playoffs in year two of the post-Tom Brady era? So I think they can get to the playoffs, 
but I, I'll admit I do have my doubts about that. I mean, I I certainly think they'll improve on last year. They they went seven and nine, and they honestly they had one of the worst rosters in the league, and they had definitely the worst quarterback play out of Cam Newton. I mean, I was excited like a lot of other Patriots fans about how their their free agency turned out because when the off season started, they they right out of the gate they got. Guys like John U. Smith and Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry at tight end, and they also got Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar at receiver. And so, in the moment, yeah, I mean, I was excited about those guys, and I still kind of am to an extent. But I mean, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, neither of those guys are really number one receivers. They might not even be number two receivers, to, <laughs> if you think about it. And then Hunter Henry and John U. Smith, yeah, they're both probably two of the top 10 tight ends in the league. But what is that really stating when you're, I mean, I mean, after after Kelsey, Waller, and Kittle, I mean, I don't really have a lot of faith in the tight end position. And so I don't I'm not sure what that's saying if, I mean, if they're two of the top 10 tight ends in the league. Uh, and then, yeah, they made some additions on defense of Judon and Jalen Mills and others. And so, yes, I expect, an improving Patriots team, and then also, as well as Mac Jones, drafting him. I, I hope that, I hope he becomes the guy, but I don't know. I'm sure it'll be a mess in the middle of the year when Cam struggles, and when is Mac Jones coming in? Is he coming in this week or not coming in? And it's just, I feel like that's going to be an ongoing controversy all year, and so I'll admit, like, am I excited about this year more than last year? Yes, with the new pieces that they have, but at the same time, I still have my doubts on how much better they really are. I mean, I I'm 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 excited. I think that they'll I think that the team is is improved from last year and not just from the additions, but Brian, you've made it you've made your feelings on Cam Newton uh well known on this podcast. <laughs> um and I'm not I'm not going to come in here and say like, "Oh, I think Cam Newton's going to be the best quarterback in the league. I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to, you know, be the the star of the team, but I I really feel like he he had an okay start to the season last year, and I think that COVID really hurt him. I think that uh, it was a big impact on him. Uh, I'm so week two. I, I always bring this up because yeah. I really thought it was the only good game he played. Week two, I thought he was excellent, and people around here were talking about, oh, yeah, let's extend him now. Let's give him well, this big de- that's, big contract. That's crazy. And that would have been a disaster if they did that. Well, but what was it? Week four that he was out for was, COVID. It, yeah, yeah so week, week, four. week two yeah. was the Seattle game, but week mm-hmm. four was the COVID, right. COVID situation. Yeah, I don't know. Kansas I, City moved it I, to Monday. I really yeah. don't, my opinion, I really don't think that made that much of a difference because week three, the last game he played before he got COVID, and he, I mean, I, they beat the Raiders, yes, but he really wasn't that great in that game. And no, and I, and I, but, and I don't think he's going to be great. I don't think that he's ever going to be a great a player on the Patriots. I think that his great years are over, but I think that he can be better than he was last year because I, I personally think that COVID just took more of a hit on him than, than I would have expected, than I think a lot of people expected. And I'm I think not- that if he can stay healthy, it's that alone is going to help the team plus the additions. I don't know. I th- I think they'll make the playoffs. So I will agree to disagree with the COVID <laughs> sure, situation sure, for Cam yeah. Newton. But what I will say is he was signed in what, June, end of June, early July of last yeah. year. So basically he was just shoved in. Right. Yeah. Because they didn't really have any other options unless they wanted to go to Hoyer or Stidham, who I have 
literally zero faith in those guys. <laughs> yeah. Where Cam, it's like, all right, let's see if he's still good or not. And I still don't think he is, but... Well, right, but to, no. To, that... to play devil's advocate, I mean, yeah, he was kind of shoved in there. And yeah. he, I mean, he had only so much time to learn the playbook and what was surrounded him on the roster, especially at wide receiver and tight end, was not great. Yeah. And they definitely improved that that part of their team. And when Cam Cam Newton was in Carolina, I, I've said this before, I thought his best receiver was actually Greg Olson. And so to add two good tight ends could help Cam a lot. Right. No, and that's yeah, that's, that's another good point about um that he he has the full off season. You know, he's he's been with the team for for over a year now and he's not I think that that's another another help to him. I don't know. What were you going to say, Corey? <laughs> no, I'm I'm really high on Cam Newton. Well, really high i'm high on cam newton compared to what he was last sure, year yeah because he'll have that full off season and because of the additions of henry and smith i think running 12 personnel is huge last year the patriots didn't have a tight end that was worth talking about now they have two guys that can create a ton of matchup problems and i think with the off season moves with free agency signing those two guys and then going after nelson Aguilar and kendrick Bourne as opposed to investing a ton of huge money in maybe a, a bigger star receiver i think kind of shows that belichick is very confident in cam newton being the starting quarterback that being said he did use a first round pick on mac jones so well would you feel more comfortable at this point in time like saying that the patriots have better playoff odds with cam newton as a quarterback or with mac jones coming in I think Cam Newton for this year, uh, Mac, I mean, I I have pretty high hopes for Mac Jones, I guess, but I, we haven't seen him in the NFL, you know, and yeah, Belichick used a first round pick on him, but I I don't expect Newton to be there more than this year. I don't think anyone does, right? So, so I don't think getting Mac Jones is crazy if, especially if Belichick sees stuff in, in Newton that he likes to be like, hey... We're going to get Mac Jones. He's going to be with Newton for a year, and then he'll be our starter next year. I, I don't know. I also I don't know if, if getting Mac Jones would maybe inspire Cam Newton to be better, to light a fire under him and be like, I this is my job to lose with this with this new hot shot here. I don't know. I I mean, I think it'll be – I think that that'll always be – uh, on the table, at least from a fan perspective, people be like, well, if Newton's not doing well, just get him out of there. Just try out Mac Jones um, in a way that I don't think people really felt that way about Hoyer and Stidham. Cause like, well, if Newton's not doing well, I don't, what do we do? Put one of these guys in? Um, I don't know. And I think week four will be huge uh, in terms of what we're going to see moving forward. Cause if, cause if I don't think, I think putting Mac Jones in, for his first start against the Buccaneers would be insane. But yeah, if Newton, I, I, I've, I've said that before. But if that Newton, would be crazy to if do Newton that. is is terrible the first three weeks, give it a shot. You know, I don't, stranger things have happened than than having someone come in and and beat the big bad guy their first start. I don't know. I, I think it'll be interesting. Or if like if Newton is struggling in the first half of the Buccaneers game, put Jones in. I mean, Belichick is going to be trying everything he can to get weird with the Buccaneers game, and I don't I don't know how. I don't. It's going to be so weird to see that. I don't know what's going to happen. I think. I think for me, it, I want to see how Mac Jones does in the preseason. I'm someone that doesn't really. 
I, I don't want I don't care about the preseason that much, but just given how we didn't even have a preseason last year, yeah, I'm actually a sl- slightly more excited about this year for the preseason, and I'd imagine Mac Jones would play in the preseason. And I don't know, there have been a lot of reports about Mac Jones looking great, and then there have been days where he's looked terrible. And I don't know if if he's that much closer to Cam Newton in terms of production and training camp or in the preseason, I'll admit, I want to see Mac Jones in there as quickly as possible. Now, at the same time, though, I think it is smart for when teams do sit their star first-round quarterback uh, as long as possible. I mean, we saw Mahomes basically sit out an entire season. Rodgers sat out like three seasons in Green Bay. And so sometimes it is smart for the quarterback to – to wait it out and watch from the sidelines and then come onto the field. But at the same time, there's a lot of pressure on this Patriots team to improve on what was just an abysmal year last year. So I think the Patriots have better playoff odds with Cam Newton as their quarterback, but if he struggles and it turns to Mac Jones, I think that's when the season could maybe somewhat come off the rails. I don't know if Mac Jones is ready to step in on this given team, uh, which in some ways is kind of a downgrade in terms of the offense he was at, you know, with Alabama. Obviously, the players are better than a lot of those college guys, but in terms of comparatively, I don't know that Mac Jones would be ready to take over this offense, especially given some of the decisions that were made this offseason. So if things don't go well with Cam Newton, then I think that's when the season will kind of start to not necessarily totally fall apart, but things will get much uh, more disappointing than uh, Patriots fans want them to be. I mean, he also he has to win the trust of the players and the coaches. And one one thing that that's going well for Cam Newton or has gone well for him for his entire career is that he's a very likable guy and really gets along with his teammates. That's one thing that I won't criticize him on is that in terms of his personality, he's definitely a a much more likable guy than I thought. Uh, after one year in New England, even though I certainly qu- have questioned his quarterback play numerous times in the past, I will say he does come off as a super likable guy. And so I think for Mac Jones to come in, not only he, he has to win the room uh, with his play and and personality as well, maybe. I just want to I just want to say, Brian, you and I really need to count our blessings because you can describe last season as abysmal when it was the, the Patriots went seven and nine. Like we could be Jets fans, you know? I, I just they, think they almost lost to the Jets, <laughs> but they didn't. They won seven games, you know, and that was abysmal. And two of them were versus the Jets, yeah, so they went five know, and what? nine like, versus teams the Jets that were, were not two named and the 14. Jets. Like I don't just think we're lucky for everything we've experienced in our lives. Well, I suppose that's a good transition to get into our last team in the AFC East. That is the New York Jets, who last season was a disaster, and things. Looked like they could at least end well with the Jets getting the number one overall pick. And what did they do? They end up winning two of their final three games and they finished two and 14, which was not good enough for the worst record in the league. So that soured an already sour season even more. But there's a lot of reason for optimism for the future of the New York Jets because of some of the things that happened this offseason, in particular, the new coaching staff they brought in. There's a lot of excitement among Jets fans for Robert Sala, who was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers the past few seasons, the guy who led a defense that was nearly good enough to beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl in 2019. So 
the big storyline for the Jets in what looks to be a rebuilding season is, will Robert Sala prove he can be the leader who finally turns around the Jets franchise? I'll admit, I have, I have no idea. I mean, what I will guarantee, though, is that he'll be better than Am Gase because they <laughs> he could not have sucked more as a head coach of the Jets. He had nine total wins in two years. Now that is an abysmal <laughs> season. <laughs> yeah. Or or multiple seasons well, uh, for the Jets. So I will guarantee that Robert Sala will do better than Adam Gase as a head coach. But, I mean, I've, before Adam Gase, their last four head coaches have been – Todd Bowles, Rex Ryan, Eric Mangini, and Herman Edwards. Those are all defensive guys, but those are all guys who have different personalities. I mean, Herman Edwards and uh, Rex Ryan, they're definitely two vocal guys, while Todd Bowles and Eric Mangini, they're definitely quiet guys. And what, Robert Sala, he's probably a vocal guy, right? I mean... Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I'll admit, I, I have no idea if his success with the Niners translates to success in, with the Jets. Just, I mean, he, he had a much better defense with the Niners, no question, with guys like Richard Sherman and Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. I mean, the Jets, they have C.J. Mosley, but I'll admit, like, I don't, I'll admit, I don't know. <laughs> I also, I don't think we'll know for a couple weeks because they're playing, they first are playing Carolina, they're playing Sam Darnold, and I don't, like, I, I think that, I definitely think Darnold has something to prove. I think that I think that that's kind of Carolina's game to lose. Very early prediction there. But then they play New England, who they're going the the, the Patriots going to New York. Um, but I think that again the Patriots have a lot to prove, and I think that they'll be an improved team. So I think I think it's Denver they play Week Three. I think it won't be until then that we really see maybe Salah's impact because I, I just think the first two weeks are maybe not quite a wash for them, but I think they're starting out with two tough games. Um, and I think it'll be, I don't know. I think it'll be a tough start for them and, and maybe they'll level out. Uh, f- to be frank, I don't have high hopes for them, but that's maybe I'm being optimistic. Maybe I just, I just think that I, I don't know in my, in my yeah. life, I've never had a reason to think that the jets are going to do well. Yeah. I, I don't expect them to do well either right i'd imagine that they'll finish last in the division but maybe not just suck as bad as last year they didn't even know how to lose correctly i know they couldn't even lose the best (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i i think saying it'll take just three weeks is uh way way too little time i think it's gonna take a long time to really see how this team comes together i do not expect the jets to be good i think that their defense is still going to be very bad and i know they are trying things out with zach wilson to see if he's a guy but my expectations for him at least in his rookie season are very low so to me robert sala's success isn't necessarily about wins but it's more about the jets being competitive them being fiery them not being just a total embarrassment like they have been the past few seasons and i'm a huge fan of the solid hire i really like that he brought in uh, mike lafleur younger brother of green Bay packers coach matt to be the team's offensive coordinator i think there's a, a lot of reason for jets fans to be excited about this new coaching staff this new guy i think Saul is going to be a great leader for this team it may take a while to really see him uh kind of put everything all together with this kind of roster but that's really what we're looking for with the Jets is just them not being an absolute train wreck like they were last season them showing some signs that hey maybe they can compete 
every now and then and that they're not just going to get blown out every single week and make you know just stupid mistakes and like you said not even lose correctly when it, it comes down to it so that's uh you know I, I i do expect there to be at least some reason for hope for the jets i think they'll win more than two games when it's all said and done you know it might not be more than five but that would certainly be a huge improvement from last season so with that, let's move on to the next topic, staying within the AFC East. And we're going to go through and say, uh, what new addition to the division do we believe will have the biggest impact on their team and ultimately how this division plays out? So Kenny, as our guest, I'll let you get started with this one. Um, the, the optimistic part of me wants to say uh, someone on the Patriots, but... I have a hard time even singling out any of their additions. Um, I think as a group, it might be, it might be a a big, a big uh, factor in in how they do. But if I'm, if I'm going to pick a player, I feel like it's going to be Jalen Waddle on the, on the dolphins. Um, I think that he is going to have a big, he's going to play a big part in if Tua can step it up. Like, like it's, it falls on Tua ultimately, but I think that Waddle might be like, one of the best tools at his disposal to to kind of prove himself and actually have someone to to, to go to consistently. Um, so I I think that that would that's that's my pick for is is for Jalen Waddle. I just think I don't know. Like I think that I think that it like I say it's Tua's it's it's Tua's point to prove. But I think Waddle is his biggest uh, I guess his biggest pawn. I don't know. That feels weird to say, but I think that's his biggest piece there. Yeah. So for. My biggest impact, uh, so I had two groups. One of them was on the Dolphins, and one of them was what Kenny said. Mine was going to be Will Fuller and Jalen Waddell. Uh, but for my other uh, choice for biggest impact, uh, it's uh, it's on the Patriots, no surprise. Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. Like that, like I talked about before, I think they, <laughs> they're going to be looked really depended on to help the Patriots succeed on offense because at the tight end position, they of course had to help out in the passing game, but they also have to help out in the running game, of course, blocking wise, because let's face it, the Patriots, they're going to be one of the most run heavy teams again this year, especially with Damian Harris leading their backfield. And so, and, and they're both of course being paid over 10 million a year. So, and, and the Patriots, their offense in the past has thri- really thrived when they ran a lot of two tight end sets. And so I think their offense is definitely going to improve uh, with those two uh, on offense. So I, I think that we're all kind of on the same page in terms of uh, where we were looking for this one. So I, I wrote down two names. Uh, one of them was specifically going to single out Jonu Smith. I think that he is the guy more so than Hunter Henry, at least in a Cam Newton-led offense, I, who I think has a bigger impact. I think Jonu Smith will make a bigger impact in the passing game, while I think Hunter, Hunter Henry is much a much better run blocker than Jonu Smith is. Yeah, and they'll both be used. It's tough to really choose one over the other. Uh, so the other guy I said was a Dolphins receiver, not Jalen Waddle though, but Will Fuller. And I, I went with Fuller in particular over Waddle because I think the one thing that the Dolphins offense was missing last season was a consistent deep threat. If you look at their top four receivers who had the longest catches on their team last year, 
Three of them are tight end Mike Gesicki, tight end Adam Sheen, and running back Miles Gaskin. So Gesicki did have a long 70-yard catch, but that was from Ryan Fitzpatrick. And even uh, Miles Gaskin's 59-yard catch that was short came from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tua didn't have a whole lot of deep plays, and I think some of that was on him. But I think it was also just the Dolphins not really having an explosive receiver. The closest they had last season was Preston Williams, and he was limited to only eight games. He only had 18 catches all season. So if Will Fuller can come in and play like he did last year in Houston, before he was suspended, 53 catches, 879 yards, and eight touchdowns, Certainly on pace for 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. I believe he's going to miss the first game of the season. But if he can stay healthy and play the remaining 16 games, I think he'll be a huge part of the Dolphins' offense. Not to say Waddle won't have an impact. I think that the the Dolphins have a ton of weapons they'll be able to use, but I believe that Fuller is going to be the, the big impact. If the Dolphins are going to be successful, if they're going to challenge the Bills to win the AFC East, it's going to come from their offense. And I think that Fuller could kind of be that missing piece to help Tua and the Dolphins you know, go over the top with their expectations. I mean, this might be unfair, but you touched on this, Corey. The reason that I didn't go with Fuller is because I I don't have faith in him to play sixteen games. I just like between I think it's totally fair. Like I mean, last season with the suspension, but he just he's so injury prone, and so I just you know he's missing one game already. Gets he might get sixteen games now that they've extended the schedule, but I just don't think I don't think he will honestly. And if he does, I agree with you. But I just like I say, maybe it's unfair to just assume he's not going to play the full season. But I just can't I can't go under the assumption that I've been burned by him too many times in fantasy football to, uh, to have faith <laughs> yeah. in him to play a full season. Well, think of it from the reverse: if he doesn't play, he doesn't stay on the field. He doesn't add that you know true. transformation yeah. to the offense they're gonna have a negative that's impact. still a big impact so. yeah you're, you're right that's true and his deal is a one-year contract so mm-hmm. it's a prove is it year even though last yep. year he did kind of prove that he's great but like kenny said he got he got suspended so he couldn't even play a full season the one yeah. time we were thinking that he was gonna play a full year he got suspended because he was on the peds which i'd imagine yep. helped prevent right. his injuries yeah he didn't get probably injured, maybe thanks to that yeah yep all right so let's wrap up with the afc east with a bold prediction for the division so kenny once again we'll start with you i i struggled with this and i originally had uh josh allen winning mvp but i think that's boring i think that that's too that's i don't even i don't know like that that's a little out there but i don't even know if it's that bold I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Mac Jones gets his his first uh, playoff start this season. I think that's pretty bold. That is, Yeah, that's very bold. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. All right. I like that one. I don't know how it happens. I, I hope don't know it happens. I don't know, I don't know the, the road that's going to lead there, but I'm going to say it happens. All right. My bold call is I don't want to say Tua will win MVP. That's <laughs> way too bold. But I think he can be in the top five for conversation for MVP. I don't know. If pro that's bowler. Bold. Sure. Yeah. Pro bowler. Yeah. I don't know if that's even bold either, but I, I mean, I, I think that's, that's certainly bold just given what we saw. I mean, you picked year. Drew Locke to win MVP last year. Like that, that was really <laughs> bold. So okay. That's why, but that's the boldest prediction so of all time. It's just that if I say Tua is an MVP conversation or a pro bowler, I don't know if that's lukewarm or not, or if that is bold enough. 
No, I, I do think that's bold enough. I mean, both of you are probably bolder than mine. My bold prediction for the division, um, it's a Jets prediction, and it, it's not a good one. Uh, I think Zach Wilson will lead the league in interceptions. Similar to Sam Darnold, his rookie year in 2018, I think that the Jets are going to struggle. I think they're going to be playing from behind a lot, and I think that Zach Wilson is going to throw a lot of passes, and because of that, he's going to be picked off a lot. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be a detriment for the rest of his career in New York like it was for Darnold, but I don't know that the uh, the Jets' passing attack is going to change that much with Wilson, at least in this first season. Are you saying we could see a, a Jameis Winston type of year for Zach Wilson where he, he just picks 30, up all 30. the garbage time points? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if it would be that bad, but I do certainly expect Zach Wilson to um, have a lot of opportunities to throw the ball, and I think it's going to have some good moments, but plenty of bad ones. All right, so that'll wrap up the AFC East, and let's move on to the NFC East. So, Kenny, before we get started, yes, you're a Patriots fan, but you are on the record saying that you hate all of these teams. So do you yeah. want to give like a quick little rundown? Of like why I don't like these teams? <laughs> yeah, which some of yeah. them are kind of obvious. Well, I mean, yeah, okay, so we can start with the most obvious, and that's the Giants, because I'm a Patriots fan and had to watch the two Giants Super Bowls. Uh, and not only not only am I a big Patriots fan, but I'm a big Tom Brady fan. So yeah, I don't like the Giants. I don't like I don't like what they've done. I don't like the feelings they've made me feel. Um, similarly, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you know, I was I was pretty fine with the Eagles. They were easily my favorite team in this division uh, until until their second Super Bowl against the Patriots. Didn't like that. Uh, the Cowboys. The, I, I kind of hate the Cowboys for the reason that everyone hates the Patriots. I guess not exactly because the Cowboys aren't uh, as recently good as the Patriots, but I don't like that they call themselves America's team. I just don't like that they're like, I don't like that they're like the, some view them as like the team of the league. Um, and speaking of the football team, I don't like Washington. Uh, I didn't like them for their name because I, I'm not really in a position to say that it's an offensive name, but I th I think that it was viewed as offensive by people who uh, have a right to these kinds of things. And uh, they changed their name, but I just think changing their name to the Washington football team, to me, still feels like, fine, we'll change our name, but we're not really going to change our name. Like, I feel like they should have picked a name, and I understand maybe it was like, it was tough because the season was coming up. They had to do something quickly. Sure. If it, as a placeholder name, whatever, but now it looks like it's here to stay. And it just feels like they're like, yeah, we're not picking a new name. Call us the football team, but we're not like, we're not taking a new name. I don't, it just, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It feels like they're kind of trying to stick with their old name as much as they can. Um, and yeah, I just, and, and the division as a whole, I just don't like that. It's like, they get they get like all the primetime games. So often I have to watch the NFC East. I don't want to watch the NFC East. I hate the NFC East. First first game of the year, I think, right? Is is Cowboys Bucks? Yeah. I think yeah. for Cowboys opening Bucks. opening night yep. Thursday night football. Yeah, I yep. don't want to watch the Cowboys. I, 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 this is a this is a terrible division. Worst division in the league. Hate it. Can I give my uh take on this division? <laughs> yeah, go for it. So uh I would say I hate three of the four teams. So Giants, that's really obvious. Eagles, I think this might be my least favorite of the three, which I know sounds crazy because they lost to them once while the Patriots lost to the Giants twice. But I don't know. After the second one, I kind of just accepted, you know what, the Giants, they have our number. They know how to play us. But the Eagles, they never should have lost to the Eagles. That, that, that Super Bowl, 
maybe yeah. it's more re- because it's more recent as well. But that's the that's the Super Bowl of a, Super Bowl that I have not gotten over of the three, which I know sounds absurd because one of them was for a perfect season. But well, I, I don't I don't know. I I kind of even though I hate the Giants, there's a little bit of respect for Coughlin and Eli and the, how they performed in those games. The Eagles hurt for me because I flew home from Scotland to watch that one with my family, and that happened. Uh, but the for me, the, the second Giants Super Bowl hurt the most, I think, because it's like, I'm not, I can't accept that. I can't be like, oh, they just have the Patriots number. There's no redemption. Like, now that Brady's gone, there will never be redemption. And I, like, there was pre-redemption with predemption, I guess, with the Eagles, where they beat them the first time. The Giants, it's just, they lost both times. I can't get over it. I'm sorry, Brian. I think you had one more team. They to have about, a but. statue. The Eagles have a statue of Nick Foles and Doug Peterson <laughs> outside their stadium of, oh, let's run uh, Philly Philly. And and everyone's talking, oh, my God, it's the greatest play ever when the Patriots ran that same yeah. freaking play yeah. in the same game, the same quarter. Uh, I, I I hate well, that yeah, team so much. Yeah, but it worked for the Eagles. Yeah, and Brady, unfortunately, has stones for hands. So oh that's why it didn't God. work for... Yeah, yeah. so the Eagles are by far my least favorite of <laughs> That's the, fair. Of it's the a four. fair take. Uh, now, Washington, yeah, I don't I don't like them either, and I agree with you on the name. I think it's dumb that they, they're still the football team. I, I just like them more for their owner, Dan Snyder. Oh, yeah. I mean, Horrible he's, person. He's, yeah, it, yeah, it really all comes down to worst. him, honestly. The only thing I liked about the Washington Reds, or excuse me, football team was when Kirk Cousins was there. He was oh, the absolutely. man when he was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not great in Minnesota now. And but... and Alex Smith. I, I was pulling for Alex Smith despite everything. Yeah, I, well, I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I was definitely Just, pulling uh, yeah. for him. Had to root for him. Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys are the one team that I, that I like, and I'll admit – a lot of it has to do with Amari Cooper. He's the man. Now, bolt calls. If you ever heard of bolt call, first ballot Hall of Famer. That's a bolt call. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, the Cowboys. Yeah, they're they're fun to watch in terms of when they do well and when they not do well. Because when they do well, yeah, they they have a high flying offense and I mean they have weapons everywhere at running back and receiver and a quarterback. But when they fall, it's kind when when they when they lose, it's kind of funny. It's kind of, there, there's definitely some comedy to them losing. <laughs> I, I will say when, when Dan Snyder leaves, uh, when he's no longer affiliated with the team, I'll have an NFC East team to root for easily. Uh, but until then, I just, I don't like the division and they're terrible. It's a terrible division. Everyone's so bad. But oh, another <laughs> thing I, I do kind of agree with you that the, the Cowboys being America's team is low. It's is low America has, America has 32 teams. Yeah. What's this about? Uh, that's probably my one. Be- no, Jerry Jones. I don't like Jerry Jones. Yeah. Uh, and then Jason Garrett when he was there. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I I mostly like the Cowboys. But other than that, the the other three teams, especially Eagles, the Eagles can go after themselves. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't hate any team in this division. Um, I I consider the Cowboys a team that like, you know, obviously way below the Steelers. My uncle's a fan. So I've, I've always had uh, an interest in them, which I know the Steelers and Cowboys are supposed to be big rivals, but I wasn't alive in the seventies. So I, the the Cowboys have been irrelevant for the last 25 years. Like I get the whole America's team thing, but I think it's kind of silly how much hate they get just because they haven't been all that good. But like you said, this whole division has been bad. Last season, the Washington football team won it with a losing record, only the third time in the last 10 years. And 
the Washington football team wasn't really even all that great. They had a lot of inconsistency at the quarterback position. So after winning the division, despite that, will there be enough Fitz magic for the Washington football team to return to the playoffs? I actually think there will be. I actually, I'm I'm pretty high on the Washington football team this year. I didn't think that was something I would ever say in my life <laughs> that I'm high on the Washington football team. But yeah, I th- I think they're I think they're gonna be good this year. They have a great defense. I think it'll be one of the best, if not the best, defenses this this season. Especially their defensive front with Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Uh, and then and then offensively, uh, I I love their duo of. Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin, and 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 yeah, if it's magic, I I think I think their quarterback play will be a lot better. I'm not saying Fitz Magic is gonna be lighting it up every single game, but I think uh, I think there will be more consistency out of the quarterback uh, position. Just because I mean, Alex Smith, yes, I, I we were all rooting for him. But but at the same time, he couldn't stay on the field every single yeah. game. Rightfully so, though, with this right. horrible injury. And then Dwayne Haskins, of course, he was a joke. And so, I think the quarterback uh, play this year, whether it's Fitz Magic or even Taylor Heineke, I-, I think will be will be better this year. So I-, I like I like the football team a lot. If it's if it's Heineke, I'm out. But if it's Fitzpatrick, I'm so in. Like I love Fitzpatrick. He's been on teams that I don't like, but I it's so fun. People were talking about him coming to New England, which I knew was never going to happen, but I really wanted it to. He's I just, did too. He's so fun. Um, I I, I, lo- I loved when uh it, he when he was with the Bucks two games yeah. in. If if the season ended there, I think he would have won MVP. If because <laughs> he had like ten touchdowns after two games, it's uh, and. And then he came out in that press conference with Deshaun Jackson's clothes. Yeah. He's, he's like, he's, oh, what, are, what is yours? Like, oh, the chest hair. That's mine. <laughs> so, yeah. If it's magic, yeah, he's, it's he's, a, he's a fun guy. Uh, and I honestly think the NFC East is a perfect fit for him. All he has to do is is do what he does 50% of the time and he could win the division. You know, I think that I think maybe he's found his home. I don't think that he's going to lead the team to the Super Bowl, but I could easily see the football team winning the division. I, I, I mean, I could see, I could see anything happening in this division. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, if anything of this division, excited to see Fitzpatrick do his thing. Uh, hopefully, half the time he does, he's Fitz, he's Fitz magic rather than Fitz tragic, because um, the the division's just enough of a mess that I could see him winning the division. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm. I guess most excited about this team strictly because of Fitzpatrick. And if Heineke's in, I don't care about the team. See, I have the exact opposite feeling as you guys. <laughs> he goes from Fitz magic to Fitz tragic very quickly. And yes, he's a fun quarterback. I'm not going to say that I don't love watching him succeed, but I don't think that he's someone who at this stage of his career can be counted on to start 17 games and lead a team to the playoffs. And I actually would love to see Taylor Heineke get a lot of chances, and I'm sure you don't like him because of the playoff game where he almost beat the Bucs, but I, I became a huge fan of him watching him play I did, in that one. Yeah, I did too. He's I a, thought he's he was a winner. super fun. I don't care he lost. Yeah. doesn't matter to me. Absolutely. <laughs> well, For, First ever so, game, he's being he's being forced to play versus Tom Brady in a playoff game, and he ends he up playing really own. well. Yeah, so I really didn't like the signing of Fitzpatrick for Washington, and I think ultimately what it comes down to for me is I expect – 
at least a couple other teams in this division to be much improved. I don't think eight and nine wins the division. I think a team's actually going to have to finish over 500, probably win at least 10 games. And I just don't trust uh, Washington to be able to get to that with their quarterback play this year. I do think there's going to be a lot more in or a lot of the same inconsistency just because Fitzpatrick is an inconsistent quarterback. And as much as I say, like Tyneke, am I going to say that he's going to be like this, you know, franchise quarterback because of one playoff game? No. So um, I expect their defense to still be very good. They're loaded on that side of the ball, particularly on the defensive line. I, I think that they have some pretty solid weapons on the offensive side of the ball, but I ultimately uh, don't expect Washington to be significantly improved from last year. And I think that ultimately it's going to keep them outside of the postseason field. You're probably right. I just hope you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's talk about the next team in the division. That's the New York giants who last season finished six and 10. And I think it's fair to say that the Giants have a very talented roster. They brought in a lot of guys last season in free agency, and they continue to do so this year. They did a lot to address the offense and build a support system for their young quarterback, Daniel Jones, who, kind of like Tua, a player we talked about, has not always looked very good. In fact, he's more often than not looked pretty bad in his two seasons with the Giants. So the big storyline for them coming into this season, will Daniel Jones finally prove he is a franchise quarterback and make the Giants true playoff contenders? I really don't like the Giants this year. I'm 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 definitely lower than most on them. I I, I think they're yeah yes they picked up Kenny Galladay who I'm sure will help their offense, but I don't know how much faith I would have in him, in him staying on the field for all 16 or, or 17 games. This year, I mean, he was hurt all of last season, and he's still hurt right now in training camp. And then Saquon Barkley, he's coming off a torn ACL. I don't know how how much I could de- you could depend on him to stay healthy all season. And they didn't really do much in terms of pass protection, and I think that's really not good for someone like Daniel Jones, who I think, in in my opinion, is really hyper pressure sensitive uh, in the pocket. I think. He gets way too jumpy in the pocket whenever there's pressure, and uh, I, I, I have my doubts on the Giants this year. And I think their defense really overachieved for given their ta- mediocre talent on defense, and 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 Jason Garrett's still the offensive coordinator. I, I, I can't I can't take him seriously or Joe uh, Joe Judge as the head coach. So I'm I'm definitely low on on the Giants this year. I think that I could see Jones being a franchise quarterback but like low end and that's if he can manage turnover and I I don't think he can at least not as the team is now um I think that I think that the team overall will be will show improvement from last year uh I think that they could make the playoffs again because it's the NFC East but in any other division I would say no um I don't know I think that I think Daniel Jones certainly has talent but it I agree with you, Brian, that he he doesn't do well under pressure. He's he's very pressure sensitive, and he just turns over the ball too much. I don't think that I don't know. I I could see him being a franchise quarterback for the Giants because it's the Giants. You know, I would have a little bit more faith in Daniel Jones if if they had a better offensive line and if they had an offensive coordinator that wasn't uh, someone <laughs> someone else named, not named Jason Garrett. Yeah. Uh, but the combination of both of those and the health of their two best 
players on offense in Galladay and Barkley, that worries me a lot. I think you're underselling Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator. I know he is not the best head coach, um, but I, I do think he's at least a competent offensive coordinator, something you can't say about him as a head coach. I I do expect Daniel Jones to look better this year. A lot of it's going to come down to the turnovers, but the Giants have the support system. And you talked about Kenny Galladay. Of course, he's a big one, but they also drafted Kadarius Toney in the first round. And he's someone who very versatile playmaker. I think he can add another element to the offense. They went out and they signed John Ross and Dante Pettis, two former high draft picks who kind of hoping something comes out of them. And we know John Ross's speed. Uh, there's a potential there. They also brought in Kyle Rudolph as a backup tight end to a really solid tight end in Evan Ingram, who is arguably top 10 in the league. And that's already to go with Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. I understand the concerns of Saquon Barkley, but we know how great he can be when he's healthy. So there's a lot there for Daniel Jones to be successful. And I think that if he continues to struggle, there's not a ton of excuse. Yeah, the offensive line isn't amazing. I do think Andrew Thomas is going to be better outside of that. Yeah, I don't really recognize any of the names on them. But uh, I, I do think that the Giants can be a true playoff contender, especially if the NFC East doesn't improve a lot. And it really won't take a whole lot from Daniel Jones. He doesn't have to come out and be like... Uh, you know, a record setting quarterback. I just think he has to be like Eli Manning. He just has to be good enough. He just has to be able to protect the ball sometimes. And uh, he can have that kind of success. Now you mentioned the defensive side of the ball, not being really high on them. I think the Giants defense is going to be solid this year. I do think that they have a lot of solid playmakers on that side of the ball, but I do kind of understand some of these guys might be a little past their prime, or maybe Leonard Williams was paid too much. Dory Jackson was someone who never really fit in with the Titans, and there's questions around him. Uh, but I, I do expect the Giants to be competitive this season, and I would not be shocked at all if they win the division behind just solid quarterback play from Daniel Jones. But if he does suck this year, then he should be done. The Giants still have to move on. All right, so let's move on and let's talk about America's team, Dallas Cowboys. So Dallas last season had very high expectations that quickly went awry. A lot of it because of Dak Prescott's ankle injury, but even before that, because their defense was downright atrocious. And they made a, a big point in the offseason to address that, hiring Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator, former Falcons head coach, but he was also the defensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom defense. And they made several new additions in the offseason in both the draft and free agency to improve the defensive side of the ball. So the big storyline for the Dallas Cowboys entering 2021 is will Dan Quinn and all those offseason additions turn around a disastrous Cowboys defense? So last season, I was definitely high on the Cowboys, and that turned out to be a mistake. And I don't think I'm going to learn from my mistake because I'm high on the Cowboys again. But I feel like I have better reasons to be high on them on this year because, like you talked about with their defense, their defense was atrocious last year. What did they do in the draft? They basically just straight up drafted defense, and and especially I I especially like the Mike. Uh, uh, Parsons pick at linebacker I thought I thought that was a great pick especially since they had to trade out of that pick after not being able to get JC Horn or Patrick Sertan so I think it it was smart on their part to draft uh, on defense uh, pretty much for the entire draft 
And then offensively, they get back Dak Prescott because he was out with a gruesome injury from week five last season. And then they also get back a lot of their O-line because basically their entire offensive line went to IR with Zach Martin and uh, Lyle Collins and, um, and Smith as well. And so they get back their offensive line, which has been great for a lot of years. And they also... They got three great receivers as well, and Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, and so I'm I know I, I'm I'm high on the Cowboys again. I'll admit it's probably dumb on my part, but I can't help it. I don't know. I think it's a little fair because I I mean I I think that offensively and defensively, there's no reason for them to not be better than they were last season for all the reasons you said. Um, I think it's tough to say how much better they'll be, at least defensively. Because it's like it's almost like a whole new team, you know, and they've got a lot of good pieces there, but it's it's sometimes hard to know how the whole will operate just by the pieces. You know, I, I only caught the highlights of the the Hall of Fame game, um, and when I saw Michael Parsons in there, he looked good, uh, but like I don't, it's tough to say. I think that we'll have to kind of wait and see, um, but I think that I think that they'll be better than last season easily. I don't really think that that's uh, difficult or in question. Um, I just, I just think seeing how all the parts work as a whole is, uh, is kind of what I'm waiting for. I also like the, the change at def- defensive coordinator going from Mike Nolan to Dan Quinn. Now I, I know, he, uh, me, Corey, especially, especially me trash Jason Garrett as a head coach. And we also did that with Dan Quinn as well as a head coach, but I actually think Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator is actually not so bad. I mean, when he was in Seattle, they, were the Legion of Boom and they won a Super Bowl and they almost won two Super Bowls. And so I think I think that transition from Nolan to Quinn will also help. I'm trying to have tempered expectations about the Cowboys because I feel like they burn me a lot when I'm too high on them. But it's it's oh, it's yeah. hard not to expect this team to be so much better. I know last year What could possibly you... go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And you know, it's beyond just a healthy Dak Prescott. It's all the moves that they did on the defense. And Dan Quinn, I think, is a great defensive coordinator. And he added some of his guys from the Falcons, which the Falcons defense wasn't great. So I don't know how much we should really make of bringing in DeMonte Casey and Keanu Neal. But they, they're taking a lot of flyers on guys. Jaron Curse, uh, Malik Hooker, he's someone who... He missed most of his rookie season and most of last season with injuries, so that's why there wasn't a huge market for him. That's why the Colts were willing to move on from him. He's a former first-round pick for a reason. He has a lot of talent. I was really hoping the Steelers would uh, take a chance on him. He's someone who the Cowboys added. They brought back Jordan Lewis. Uh, you know, The Cowboys' secondary was... It wasn't terrible last season, but it wasn't great. And their run defense was atrocious. They went out and they they added other guys to this. And Micah Parsons is a big one, the twelfth overall pick in the draft. And he you know, he forced a fumble on Mason Rudolph. I don't know how much that says, but we did see him make a play already in his first NFL game in the Hall of Fame game. So I do think the Cowboys defense is going to take a huge step forward. I think it would need to take a huge leap for them to be Super Bowl contenders, but it's certainly not a stretch to say that all it takes is a minor leap and a healthy season from Jack Prescott and the Cowboys would be back in the playoffs as NFC East champions. I mean, yeah, I think with, with pretty much every other team in this division, I feel, well, they could make the playoffs because they're in the NFC East. They could win the division. With the Cowboys, barring something going horribly wrong again, um, I, I don't really see why they wouldn't win the division. 
provided, like I say, provided all the parts work well together as a whole, which I think they will. It's just sometimes you don't know. Um, but if, the, if everyone stays healthy, if, if things go reasonably well, I don't really see why they wouldn't at least make the playoffs uh, by winning the division. All right, so the the last team to get to, uh, one I know that you guys are probably not excited to talk about unless you factor in that they were really bad last year and expectations are very low for them. That's the Philadelphia Eagles. So 4-11-1 in 2020. Carson Wentz is gone. Jalen Hurts, at least for now, is the starting quarterback. They certainly look like they could be uh, a bad team again this year. So... What has to happen for the Eagles to have success and what seems to be a rebuilding year for them? I think this year, they just have to see how Jalen Hurts is as a franchise quarterback. Because if he plays like he did last year, I mean, well, he had he had ups and downs last year. I mean, there were, there were games last year where he looked like a, a franchise quarterback and then there were games where he, his his accuracy was all over the place. And so I think a full year with Jalen Hurts is something that I would be interested in to see if if they should move on with him as the starting quarterback or if they find out that this year that he's not a starting caliber quarterback, try to find someone through trades or someone to draft next season. So I think it's all about the quarterback position in my opinion because I don't think I don't think they'll totally suck, but I don't expect them to uh make it out of this division as bad as this division is. Well, I mean, Corey, you ask what uh, what they have to do to have success. I'm sounding like a broken record at this point, but it's to be in the NFC East. I know I, I, I'm <laughs> ragging on this division and these teams, but like I say, the, the Cowboys, I think, are, are poised to be the best team in the division, but anything could happen in this division. And ultimately, all the Eagles have to do if the Cowboys are the team is be a little bit better than them. So I think that there's... I, I think that there's a pretty low chance that the Eagles are anything good this season, but I think that they're in the best place to to make something of nothing. You know, they I, I just I don't I don't have high hopes for anyone in this division, barring maybe the Cowboys. So I think that I don't know anything could happen, and it, at least within the divisional games, I never know what's going to happen when these teams play each other. Um, so I I think that I don't know. I think it is pretty much a rebuilding season. I think that there is is I think that the Eagles are, are maybe gonna be the worst again, but it's tough to say. Um, I think if they can keep like if they can keep people healthy, they got a shot. Everyone in this everyone in this division has a shot in my eyes. Yeah, I I guess it's fair to say that the Eagles do have a shot, but I think it really has to be a repeat of last season. Um, I expect the Eagles to finish last this year unless someone really has a disastrous season and somehow finishes worse than them. But I don't think the Eagles have to make the playoffs or you know be a somewhat competitive team to have a successful season. You know, Brian touched on it. Jalen Hurts. If if they find out that Jalen Hurts is their guy, then I think that's successful. Or if they find out that he's definitely not the guy and that they need to draft someone and potentially have a high draft pick to do it, then that could be seen as success. Dallas Goddard, I think he's someone who's 
emerged and proved that he can be a really solid tight end in this league. If he can stay healthy this year and he can put up huge numbers and you feel like, okay, they have a natural success in plan for sure from Zach Ertz, who was seen as one of, if not the best tight ends in the league not too long ago, to Dallas Goddard being one of the best tight ends in the league. I think that's great for them. And then Devontae Smith. The Eagles right. traded up with their rivals, the Cowboys, to get him in the top 10. He already has some injury concerns. If he can say that he got those out of the way in the preseason, he can come out and play like the Heisman Trophy winner he was in college, then I think that's a reason for the Eagles to have success. So if they stay healthy, if Miles Sanders continues to run the ball the well, and if, if they have some kind of clarity on their quarterback of the future, whether it's Jalen Hurts or definitely not Jalen Hurts, I think that that's how the Eagles will have a successful season, even if it means they go 6-11 and 11 at best. Yeah, and I was I was excited uh, about seeing Devontae Smith in the league. It's too bad that he uh, ended up with the Eagles. Um, but I also think uh, it's Shane Steichen, is that how you say his name? The, he's the new offensive coordinator who came from the Chargers. He worked with with Justin Herbert, uh, who won Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think that that's a, a potential plus side for Jalen Hurts. Um, but yeah, I think I think seeing Hurts and, and Devontae Smith, just seeing if last year was representative of 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 Hurts, I think is the big thing. Like you're saying, Corey, I, you're right that if if they don't do anything much in terms of winning the division or having like a great record, but they determined that Hertz is their guy. Yeah, that is, that is a successful season. It's not always about wins, you know? Um, but I, I think, I don't know. I think that, I think that having, having the players that they do, if everyone stays healthy and having, having their new uh, offensive coordinator, I kind of feel like if, if they find that Hertz isn't good this year, it's not, it's him, you know, it's, there's not, there's no other factors to blame at that point. Um, so I think it'll at least be a telling year for them. I agree with uh, yeah. everything you guys just said. <laughs> so we'll see. Maybe they uh, will just sound like idiots and the Eagles win the division and hey, they're the, the team that we shouldn't have been uh, lowering our expectations for because the NFC East is such a bad division. It does kind of feel like anything can happen. So let's continue our NFC East talk by saying our new additions that will have the biggest impact and Brian, why don't you get started this time? I mean, really just anyone in the Cowboys uh, draft <laughs> is my biggest impact, but I guess I'll go with Micah Parsons just because he's the clear top guy. And I mean, I mean, their defense could not have been worse and they needed to improve that immensely. And I think that pick, uh, I think that was my choice in the when we did draft talk, who was the best pick uh, or which draft pick do you think will make the most yeah, impact? I went with him, so I'm going to go with him again for this question. Brian took my real pick, uh, so I'm going to go with um, my maybe optimistic, maybe bit of a wild card, uh, and say say Fitz, Ryan Ryan Fitz, whether that's uh, Fitz Magic or Fitz Tragic, it's going to be a big impact. I think you know he could he could go off or he could be absolutely awful, uh, and that's really going to be impactful. Uh, and, uh, I hope, I hope he has a great season. I'm really we, rooting for him. The question did, it didn't say positive <laughs> yeah. or negative. So no, yeah. yeah, Corey <laughs> brought that to light. Biggest, yeah. 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 I, uh, my, my top two choices were Parsons and Fitzpatrick. I thought there was a chance that would happen. I did come up with a third option just in case. And I'm going to go with Kenny Galladay for the giants. And I think that he's someone who can really, 
transform that offense. He can come in and be a number one guy, be a huge help to Daniel Jones. But if he doesn't stay on the field, he missed a lot of time last year, then the Giants just paid a ton of money to this guy, and their offense is going to suffer because of it. So to me, Galladay has the biggest impact. If the Giants are successful, if Daniel Jones is successful, it's going to be because of Galladay. And if Galladay can't be there, then that's going to be a huge negative impact. But he could also make a huge positive impact if he plays like he did his first few seasons in Detroit. All right, and then finally, before we wrap up the NFC East, let's go with a bold prediction for the division. And Brian, I'll let you get started on this one. So for the AFC East, I don't know if my bold call was bold bold enough. This one, though, for the NFC East, this one is for sure bold. Uh, Last year, we saw the Washington football team win the division, but with a 7-9 record, which is not good. But I think because I'm high on Washington and Dallas this year, because I'm big believers in both those teams this year, I honestly think that not only will we see one, but two teams out of this division make the playoffs. Wow. I thought you were going to say over 500, and I was surprised. (laughs) (laughs) So that's definitely bold. That is bold, for sure. sure. (laughs) Uh, My bold prediction is that uh, Dan Quinn's defense uh, with the with the New York Giants will blow a big lead against Dallas the Buccaneers. Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, oh my God, I've totally mixed up the teams. Well then, I'm going to continue with my bull prediction anyway and say the Giants are going to go blow a big lead against uh, the Bucs on Monday Night Football since I mixed up the teams. This is a very hopeful one for me. Uh, I'm actually going to be at that game. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping. Uh, I, I, I would like for the... For the Buccaneers to not be in a big deficit anyway, but if they are, gonna hope for a big comeback. That is that's very bold to not only predict the you know the the an individual game, but that the Giants are gonna have a lead over the Bucs and Yeah, I mean we'll see, right? Yeah. Um all right, so my bold prediction, and I'm sorry if this offends you, Brian, but I believe that CeeDee Lamb will lead the Cowboys in receptions and yards this year. I think the Cowboys offense is going to be great with Dak Prescott back. It's not necessarily a knock on Amari Cooper. I just think that Lamb is going to emerge as a number one receiver. I think when the Cowboys drafted him in the first round, their expectations for him were high, and he's going to prove them right. They didn't draft him to be a wide receiver three. They want him to be a wide receiver one capable player, and I expect both him and Cooper to have a great season like they did last year, but I I do think that Lamb, I've seen a lot of highlights of him in training camp. He's looked great, and I think that he's going to develop a connection with Cooper or with um, Dak Prescott. I think Cooper is maybe going to get some early attention uh, because he was awesome last year, and I think that's going to benefit Lamb in the end. And I I do believe he'll go over a thousand yards. They might both, and Lamb's just going to edge him out in both uh, catches and yards this year. So even though that pains me, I actually don't mind that take because yeah I, i'm pretty high on cd lamb as well this year and it i hate to say it but yeah that wouldn't surprise me if he becomes the number one guy there all right so that will wrap up the nfc east talk and with it the football talk for this division so we're gonna go ahead and jump to the top five and what we're gonna do for all of these episodes is the top five will be chosen by our guest hosts so kenny that is you 
And in this week's episode, we'll be counting down our favorite summer songs in today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So before we get into our list, Kenny, how about you kind of give some uh, background as to why you chose summer songs as your top five? Yeah, so I, well, specific, so I really, I'm I'm very big into music uh, and specifically concerts. Um, and I was thinking something concert or music related because I'm excited to hopefully start going to concerts again, I think. Uh, we'll see, we'll see how the world continues to develop, but I have tickets to, to concerts now that I'm looking forward to. Um, and you know, we kind of went back and forth a little bit about not being too broad with the topic. Um, and you know, we're, we're still in summer. It's, it's, it's winding down, but I figured top five, uh, songs to listen to during the summer, um, was, uh, somewhat timely with uh with summer yeah, i mean there's there's still gonna be about two weeks left yeah. until labor day when this episode yeah. gets released might be songs to you know test them out and then add them to your summer playlist for 2022 yeah, for next year uh, but you know better late than never right yeah um so we're gonna do the top five countdown a little differently than when what we normally do is uh we're just gonna go all through the list one at a time and we have a huge variety in our list, so I think it makes sense to go that way. So, Kenny, you are the guest, so I'll let you choose the order. If you want to go first, go for it. Yeah, I'll go first. Why not? Um, okay. So, for number five, um, th- this for people who know me, it's probably not a song people would expect for me to have on here at all. Um, I also didn't choose songs in maybe a way that uh, a lot of people would. But my number five is Yeah by Usher uh, and Lil Jon. And so so I I don't I don't really like do the typical summer stuff of like going to the beach, doing cookouts. Um, so for each of my songs, they're kind of like specific sort of things. Um, and this one's just pure nostalgia for when I went to summer camp when I was younger. Um, I would go my sister went to Girls Inc. And for convenience sake, my parents brought me there. And then there was a bus that would bring, uh, the, any, any boys that were there, um, to a a different camp in Litchfield. And on the bus ride there, we would just be listening to that like late nineties, early two thousands hip hop stuff. So like, even though it's not my favorite kind of music, all these songs like, uh, yeah, into club hot in here, all those kinds of songs. Like I, I just remember like summer camp. I'm, I'm just kind of nostalgic for them. Um, so they kind of just give me that summery feel, even if maybe they're not, I don't know. I maybe they're kind of summery, right? I don't know. They're, they're fun songs. Yeah. I, I was surprised to see them on your list, yeah. but that, that does make sense. That's a good explanation. Yeah. It's, it's, it's in there at number five because it is mostly nostalgia and it's mostly, um, you know, yeah, ju- just, just the feeling it brings me. Um, number four, I picked, uh, Dirty Water by the Standells. Uh, one thing I do like to do in the summer is go to Red Sox games and I picked this one over Sweet Caroline because I would actually listen to this one, which I can't super say for Sweet Caroline. Um, it's fun group song. Even though when it comes to Sweet Caroline, I enjoy it in Fenway, but I don't want to hear that song anywhere else. (laughs) Right. And like, I've had it come on at like parties and people get really into it, but like if it comes on on a playlist, I'm skipping it. Like I'm not, I'm not just listening to that song. Uh, on my own time but but dirty water is is a fun song it's about boston it plays 
I think it, it plays at Red Sox games, right? It's definitely when like they a, win. Yeah, after okay, they win, yeah, yeah, plays yeah. when they win. That's right. Yeah, home. It's it's definitely like uh, Red Sox song uh, in my in my mind anyway. I mean, yeah, if they play it when they win, then I, I would say so. Um, for number three, uh, I picked "Send Me on My Way" by Rusted Root, which is a, I think a bit more of an actual summary song. I want to say. Um, what another thing I do like to do in the summer is I uh, go up to Lake Winnipesaukee. And last time I was up there a few weeks ago, this song was really big. So this is a, a bit more of a recent one for me. Um, but it also, uh, I, I, I went hiking with a, with a friend years ago and we, we played this song a bunch. Um, so that, that one's a, again, a lot of these are just kind of nostalgia driven. So um, when, when you put your, five choices in the script i didn't know what that song was so i looked it up on spotify and then when i was listening to it i was like oh yeah i i know this song i heard it yeah. in uh have you ever seen ice age yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yep that, i'll always associate with ice that's age. how i associate not that. a summer song that's because fair. of that yeah. but like if you remove you know the ice age aspect i, I do see the summer appeal to it yeah it's just you know ice age is obviously not a summer movie not so. not quite <laughs> um Number two, I picked uh, Sour Patch Kids by Bryce Vine. Um, I think it was 2016. I saw Bryce Vine in concert. Didn't know who he was. Uh, I'd never heard this song, although a lot of people I knew had actually. But I ended up getting really into Bryce Vine for that summer because it was close to summertime. And I think it's, I, I think as I'm going up the list, I'm getting more actually summery with the songs. I feel like yeah, Sour Patch Kids is this, like a like a definitely yeah. summery. Like, yeah, yep. you're hanging out with your friends in the summer. It's like a, it's, I mean, it's also just kind of a nostalgia based song based mm. on what it is. And yeah, I mean, you think about summer when you're a kid and there's no school. Right. I think that, yeah. Yeah. I think that works. Um, yeah. And it like, it makes me think of that time of my life, even though I didn't hear it until, you know, uh, 10, 11 years after I was like in that mindset. Um, and then my number one is Shotgun by George Ezra. Uh, his whole his whole album that came out a couple years ago, Staying at Tamara's, uh, it's just, a, to me, it's a very like summery album. It came out close to summertime. And I was listening to it a lot while I was traveling at the time. Um, and it was I was traveling when it was very hot and very sunny, which is not my favorite thing, but it was uh, it was a good time. And it's the whole the whole album is is like I say, really just kind of a uh, to me, it has like a lot of summer vibes on it. Um, and I, this one, I think kind of captures that the best. And I think is one of the more well-known ones. So I just felt like that was a, that's a real good one that I could definitely see on like a lot of people's actual summer playlists, not just based on what they like and what they've done in their summers. I'll go second if you, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, Yeah, no, go go for it. it. All right, sweet. (laughs) All right, so for my number five, I went with Saturday in the Park, and that's from Chicago. And I definitely like a lot of uh, songs from Chicago, Hard to Say I'm Sorry, 25 or 6 to 4, You're the Inspiration. But if I can only pick one song that stands out for me uh, from Chicago, it's Saturday in the Park, and it definitely has a lot of summer vibes to it. And mentions July 4th right away. So. Yeah, exactly. And we can we can disagree on how uh, Chicago makes their pizza, but in terms of the music from the band, uh, I think I think they make good music or they make good music. Uh, 
So I went with that as my number five. My number four, I went with In Too Deep from Sum 41, which you guys are probably thinking, why the hell is, is this song on here? Uh, yeah, yes, the lyrics, they don't really relate to Summer, and they probably relate more to like a relationship than anything, but I, I, I love Sum 41, and that's one of my favorites from from them, and I think it has some sort of a summer vibe to it. I mean, I mean, when you see their music video, it takes place in a pool. <laughs> and so, yeah, and I mean, it's, that, it definitely that has song a summer vibe. It's not it. something you listen to at like night or in the winter. I feel like, I feel like it is more of a summer kind of song, even if the lyrics don't uh, relate to summer. Uh, so I went with, I, I had to put it because I, I'm definitely a fan of some 41. So I went with in too deep for number four, my number three, I went with good life from one republic now what's funny is that i could have put good life from kanye west because that actually has some summer vibes to it but i went with good life from one republic they're also one of my favorite bands and uh, i i it's definitely a band i would like to see live uh and they're the live version of this song good life uh at ping pop and i i don't i think it's in i don't know what country it's in but the the live version of this song uh is is amazing and so uh i i definitely had to put it on my list so i went with yeah. good life from one there probably aren't too many songs called good life that are like this is like a dreary winter song so i just think anything <laughs> like that has that positive yeah tune to it whether it's one republic or kanye yeah for sure works uh so i went with that for number three number two i went with here comes the sun from the Beatles that definitely has summer vibes uh and out of all the Beatles songs I definitely think that one stood out the most in terms of a summer vibe is it my overall number one favorite song from the Beatles probably not but in terms of listening to it during the summer it definitely uh uh, stands out from the rest and so that was my number two and for number one I went with have you ever seen the rain from Credence uh, Clearwater Revival. Uh, when I was doing research on this song, it actually, the song was kind of related to the band breaking up, which is kind of sad. And I mean, in the yeah, lyrics, like his brother left the band. Yeah, and the lyrics are a little sad, but I actually, in in my opinion, I interpret it as more of a positive, uplifting song, and I think it's a perfect song to listen to on a. Uh, morning or afternoon drive that's just me uh especially i mean a lot of their songs are like that but i think i think that one is my personal favorite uh from either that or bad moon rising but i think have you ever seen the rain has more summer vibes to it so i went with that as my number one choice have you ever seen the rain is my personal favorite Creedence Clearwater Revival song because it's the only popular Creedence Clearwater Revival song where I think it's better with lyrics than if it was just an Im- instrumental. Like all of their songs, they have this like fun tune, like up around the bend, like it, it comes in and like, yeah, this is great. And then the dude just starts with this inaudible screamy. I'm like, well, now you just ruined it. I've never really thought about that, Corey, but I, I, I agree with you. Uh, yeah. Like I hear, I, I heard Bad Moon Rising today uh, at work and, I don't hate it, but yeah, you know, without the lyrics, maybe a little, but, but, uh, have you seen the rain is a really good song. I really like that one yes. a lot. Yeah, I do. I do like that one by them. Uh, they, they have plenty of great summer songs. I have them in my summer vibes playlist on Spotify and I guess, uh, I can go through my list. So 
I think you guys picked a lot of songs where it's like Kenny, you're kind of thinking of nostalgia. Brian, you're just songs that you like really enjoy listening to when you know the sun is out, whatever during the summertime. Yep. So I I think that a lot of those songs, I'm like, yeah, these definitely have good summer vibes to them. But I tried to tailor my list specifically to songs that are kind of designed for summer like if you heard them in february you would be sad because it's not summertime yet um so with that i'll get started by number five which is admittedly a bit of a pandering pick but i went with summertime by kenny chesney i wanted to give a shout out to no shoes nation and really it's because i think that kenny chesney just has so many great summer hits uh he's someone who he you throw him on this time of year and you know i guess if you're a fan of country you're certainly gonna love him and what better song about summer than a song called summertime and i also think this works because it doubles down if you want to take the uh dj jazzy jeff and fresh prince summertime song which is another another great choice here so that's why i'm starting off with summertime as my number five and then at number four, I went with All Summer Long by Kid Rock. I think this is one of the quintessential summer songs. And uh, even if you don't necessarily relate to the, uh, you know, getting drunk and high with your friends at 17 years old up in northern Michigan, it's a fun song to sing along to. He sings about singing along to Sweet Home Alabama. Well, whenever I'm listening to this with friends and family, we're singing along to All Summer Long. I think it's a great one to throw on after a long day of day drinking at night. And uh, not a huge fan of Kid Rock the person, but man, he's put out some great hits over the years. Uh, and then number three, this is one of the more laid back summer tunes. You're not going to party to this one, but still a great one to throw on this time of year. Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. He actually wrote this song a few days before tragically passing away in a plane crash. But this is the kind of song I it comes on, and sometimes I'm not in the mood for it, and I have to skip it, but most of the time it's just kind of like a nice break. Uh, whether you're out on the boat, just ready to kind of chill, you're just hanging out at the pool by yourself, sitting maybe on a dock on the bay. I think it's a great one to just listen to and waste time. So that's why it comes in at number three. And number two, I have to have a Zach Brown band song, and the most summer song he has is toes and this is another one where it's kind of similar to the sitting on the dock of the bay but you're sitting in a lawn chair whether you're on a beach in mexico with a cocktail in your hand or you're in the clay in georgia with a pbr i just think this is a great one to listen to at the beach at the pool at the lake uh, to me toes you know when he breaks out the adios and vaya con dios i think that just uh you know gets everyone going so to me that's the perfect uh summer zach Brown song and also the perfect song that's like yeah this comes on when it's not summer i'm just upset uh so that's why it comes as my number two what do you think of uh chicken fried i actually thought about putting that one here um but i think for me toes is much more summer i think chicken fried kind of plays any time of the season uh, but to me, Toes is like really much more summer specific. Because I'll admit, I'm not really a fan of country music whatsoever. But for whatever reason, that song I actually do like a lot. So I'm a big fan of Zach Brown Band. I st- I've seen him twice in concert. He's the only band. You know, they're the only band that I've seen multiple times. Once outdoors, once indoors. Uh, and I, I do really enjoy them. And Chicken Fried is always a great part of the performance. Corey, I'm sure this is uh, no surprise, and I, I 
I hope you won't take this personally, but I haven't liked your picks. Oh, I'm, I'm not. Sure. A, I'm not a fan of country music. Uh, no, and I, I totally get that. Yeah, so just just um, because I haven't had a lot to say because I'm not a, a yeah. fan, and not that sitting on the dock of the bay is not country, but I also, for no. whatever reason, do not like that song. Really? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Did you like yeah, my okay. list, Kenny? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, even, <laughs> like even I, some 41, yeah. We all have very different lists. So yeah, like they're I, very I different. Totally yeah. that. No, yeah. I think yours, Corey, is like the most summary so far. I know you haven't quite finished it yet, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's not my not my style, you know? No, and I, I totally understand. And number one, I know this is definitely not your style. Um, that is, it's Five O'Clock Somewhere by Alan Jackson, Jimmy Buffett. This, to me, is my favorite song to listen to in the summer. Especially if I'm on vacation, if I'm at the beach, you know, we're getting ready to drink and it's half past 12. Well, hey, it's five o'clock somewhere. But anytime you're on island time, you can go ahead and make yourself a cocktail, grab a beer and just enjoy life. Uh, to me, this is the song to listen to when you're day drinking in the summer because it doesn't matter what time it is because it's five o'clock somewhere. Funny enough, I almost did include Jimmy Buffett on my list because, you know, I was going off nostalgia a lot and like you used, I used to go to your family's Jimmy Buffett parties. Uh, it almost, it almost was enough. It almost was enough for me. Which to, one? I probably would have gone with, uh, probably Margaritaville. Yeah. Margaritaville was initially on my list, but I took it off just because as much as Margaritaville is a great summer song, I think it's very specific to like vacation and island yeah. time. So that's why I was like, ah, I think that maybe there's some better ones to go for what I'm trying to go for. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that Margaritaville, that's that's always a fun one to come on. And uh, most people know the lyrics and can can sing along and enjoy it. So one thing I will say is like, you know, in terms of your guys's list, like even though they're very different than what I went from, like I definitely do have some of those in my summer vibes playlist. So I do think it was a good choices and definitely a fun top five, Kenny. So I think it's fun. That, I, think, it's I a, think it's fun that we all went different directions, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think this is the first time that we've ever done a top five countdown that was music. I don't know how I'm going to do the graphic yet. I've been trying to think of that. Um, I don't know if I can easily find good like picks from like music videos or if it's just screenshots of Spotify or what, but um, this is certainly going to be a fun one. And I hope that, you know, you guys like these lists and definitely send us some other great summer songs. Uh, you know, there's still time for us to listen to them. And like I said, we can always add them to our playlist for next summer. So that will wrap up. This episode, the AFC East and NFC East preview. Kenny, thank you for coming back on. Yeah, thanks for having sure me. Sure, this won't be the last time, uh, especially with football. I know this is uh, you know right up your alley. So with that, um, let's kind of look ahead to our next episode uh, where we'll be previewing the AFC South and the NFC South with another guest host, and you'll be surprised when it comes out. So... For our guest host, Kenny Cashman, and our, uh, my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>